0: Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. I am your host, Dom. Joined this week by a full roster, we have Henry, Lewis and Toddy. Hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> chaotic, chaotic mess of hellos there. I really should just do I you one at yeah. a time or something. It'd be way <laughs> easier, but, you know, I feel like we've got a system now. Uh, we have plenty to talk about this week. It's been a uh, funny week for the sort of smartphone silicon battle as both Qualcomm and MediaTek picked the same weekend to announce new chipsets, including two each that go pretty closely head-to-head, the Snapdragon 7 Gen 1 and the MediaTek Dimensity 1050. So I know silicon can be a little dry, but we are <laughs> going to talk about it and we'll do a best to break down why these matter. And actually, funnily enough, it's the MediaTek chips that are more interesting this time around. Uh, then we're going to turn to the Oppo Reno 8 series, Three Reno8 phones were announced in China this week, and in fact, one of them boasts one of those new Snapdragon chips already, which uh, went from announcement to phone launch within uh, three, maybe four days, something like that. Pretty good turnaround for them. So we'll talk about the Reno8s, what's interesting about them, what's not, and what prospects they have for actually launching internationally, because the Renos are very inconsistent. (laughs) and then finally i am going to talk about the honor magic 4 pro the kind of first flagship they've done since splitting from huawei and getting google back on side um it depends whether you count their numbered series as flagships or not they do when it suits them and they don't when it doesn't but <laughs> i'm going to talk about the magic 4 pro which is a very impressive phone from a hardware perspective but is a little rough around the edges in a few funny ways so we'll talk about how it stacks up against its big flagship rivals Before then, some other little bits and pieces of news. First up, some bad news for Pixel fans. Uh, News today... I know, more bad news. (laughs) News today that the Pixel Fold, which was expected to launch at I.O. this spring, then was expected to launch in October, probably alongside the Pixel 7. Now everyone's saying it's been delayed again and is next spring, which presumably means next year's I.O. So this has come from a Korean site called the ELEC, but also a few industry people like John Prosser and Ross Young are all saying they agree with this, that it's going to be pushed back till spring. Word is basically Google think it's not quite ready. It's not quite on the Samsung level, so they don't want to push out something that's not not up to standard.
1: That's fine unless they don't upgrade the chipset in time, because that's something that's coming out based on rumors of the (laughs) Pixel Watch, in that the chipset is apparently... The 9110, I think it is, Exynos 9110, which was a chip from 2018 that Samsung used in the first Galaxy Watch. And that's about the, time that, yeah, and that's about the wow. time that Google reportedly started working on its wearable. It's like yeah. they haven't upgraded the chip since the development process started. Right. So if that happens yeah. with the fold, it's going to be kind of dead on arrival, I feel. Well,
0: well this was that maybe. first uh, Surface Duo problem, right? It got delayed so many times exactly. that by the time it launched, everything was just out of date mm-hmm.
2: um, and... Yeah, that yeah. is definitely the fear here. I was about to say that I'm a massive Microsoft apologist, but yeah, I think that was on that was on the 855. It was like one or two generations old, yeah, yeah, and it was 1,400 <laughs> quid, which is probably what the Pixel Fold's going to be, right? I mean, they definitely nail the hardware for Pixel. Yeah, less said about the software, maybe the better. But do you think Google is the company that can that can match Samsung when it, in, in terms of hardware? Because obviously, Vivo and Oppo have been pretty impressive recently yeah i think oppo is going to be for the for
1: the time being is going to remain the big the big challenger i think yeah oh yeah
0: i have to say i think i don't trust google's hardware track record i think almost every pixel has had some sort of hardware flaw that feels like a glaring error in the sixes it's the fingerprint scanner in the fours it was the battery life though i think one of them had the display problems like every year Remember the, the
3: solely sensor wherever it's called the motion oh, yeah, the yeah. sense.
0: there's always something that's just gone wrong with it from a hardware <laughs> yeah. perspective and i just don't feel like they've put out a really perfect phone yet and maybe perfect is too high a bar but when foldables have all these moving literally moving parts it does make <laughs> me worry about google's slight Hardware jankiness, yeah, we going ha- into that space. We have
1: given out five stars, I think, for devices in the past. I don't think a Pixel has ever got a five star. Sure, it's which rare, is funny because
0: they're still very high on everyone's really recommendation good. list. But so. there's always a but. there's always that
2: there's, there's always a friends. caveat. I mean, the the main flaw with the Pixel Five A was that you couldn't buy it anywhere. I can, <laughs> yeah. defi- I can definitely see Japan, that. The, yes, <laughs> exactly. And I know that was a bit COVIDy, but yes. I think. Could you see that? I could see the Pixel Fold being like US exclusive. Like it would take ages and then it would be like two grand and The Verge will love it and then everyone else will be like, I don't know. I (laughs) haven't ever seen one. Who's
1: to say? Yeah, it'll launch on like Google Fi (laughs) exclusively. It'll be the only way you can get it.
2: There there has been one of the
0: leaks was that it would uh, launch in the US first. Right. And there would a be big, a yeah, significant yeah. delay before it hit other markets. Equally, that was back when everyone was saying it would be in October. So uh, who knows? Maybe the general delay will help them catch the international launch up to the US really? launch. Who knows?
2: And is this like, are they trying to line up the official release, like our Android 12L release? Or are we expecting that before the hardware?
0: Well, that's again, that's what part of why everyone thought it would be spring, was because Android 12L was meant to be done in spring. And so everyone's like, well, then they'll do the foldable alongside. Twelve L's in this weird state where it's sort of done, but it's not on any hardware at all. Maybe so
2: L stands I... for late.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really hope they just fold L into thirteen and then make that a very clear announcement when thirteen arrives. Like
0: Yeah, they've got to just say from thirteen onwards we have good tablet support now, tablet <laughs> yeah. foldables and, and not do these weird half versions. Anyway, so pixel fold probably next year now. Everyone seems to agree that, which is a shame because I was quite excited to see that in October. Yeah. Uh, what else? Xiaomi has announced a partnership with Leica. This had been rumored for months. But yeah, the camera company that has quite famously collaborated with Huawei for the last few years has jumped ship, and you can't really blame them. Uh, <laughs> Huawei has <laughs> confirmed that their agreement with Leica is done. So it's not like Leica's going to be on both, both sides of that mm-hmm. for now. So the next Huawei flagship, the Mate 50, I guess, will not have a Leica logo on the back. The next Xiaomi will. They say there'll be something in July. Everyone's reckoning this is a a Xiaomi 12 phone. There's a bit of back and forth on whether it's the 12 Ultra or new 12S and 12S Pros, which have also been rumored. I'm not sure which will be coming first. But something, Xiaomi 12 something with a Leica camera coming in the,
3: July. The Leica edition, knowing them. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah maybe it's just the, the exact same again. phone, but with a Leica logo. <laughs>
0: Don't
1: they have that's the, the 11T Hypercharge or something. That's like one of the very specific variants of that series. So this, yeah, totally makes sense I, to just have a special I it camera. was specific.
0: the 11i Hypercharge. Oh, excuse distinct me. Distinct from the no. 11T <laughs> and the 11T Pro, Four which were them. separate
2: phones. <laughs> Full review yeah. on TechAdvisor, by the way. Um, and <laughs> did we remember that it was the... P nine was that the first Leica? Yeah. What do we reckon? Because I think we kind of thought that they got their act together when the Leica branding came on. But was that anything to do with Leica, or did Huawei just get quite good? I think it good?
1: was. I think it was Henry Cavill. They got Henry Cavill on stage, and that's really what sealed the deal. That's where it I will change. change. <laughs> the edge.
2: <Yeah>. It is <laughs> so hard to, to say. He apparently outside. he apparently still uses a Pixel phone, so he's actually one Does of he? the one of the, one that. of the Android boys
0: to take photos of all his Warhammer minis. Yeah, he's, he's fancy yeah. a geek.
1: He's a, a huge theory. nerd.
0: <laughs> uh yeah so i mean like the like a collaboration with Huawei was the only one that looked like it was having meaningful results but it is hard mm. to say maybe Huawei was still just doing it all by itself but i mean mm. the OnePlus Hasselblad collaboration for example and now Oppo Hasselblad it's not obvious no. what's been achieved there so i'm very curious to see if there's a noticeable Xiaomi camera jump now or if it just feels like more of the same, but with a new logo on the back and a couple of filters thrown into the app.
2: Because like Huawei's definitely, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huawei's definitely like the most successful one in terms of, uh, you know, marketing and what we thought was decent, right? Because like the, the ongoing thing is that, and I'm, I'm, you guys have reviewed Sony phones more recently than me, but Sony makes cameras and it can't do camera phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why would j- why would Xiaomi suddenly be able to just? I mean, I, I reviewed the, the Mi 11 Ultra and that camera was ridiculous. In a good way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so what What could they even bring to the table? Because surely the, the thing that smartphone manufacturers mostly get wrong is the software, right? But Leica yep, yep. is mainly a hardware brand. So... Well, that
0: was always the thing with the Hasselblad thing, was they were saying, we're bringing Hasselblad in to help us with color tuning, because mm-hmm. color tuning was their thing. It, kind of ironically, I thought the color tuning was one of the worst things about the OnePlus 9 Pro camera. It was <laughs> abhorrent, but... You know, that, that was the pitch. They were they were very open, like, yeah, House of Blood, we want House of Blood for their software expertise. Mm. Um so yeah, I agree. I'm a bit skeptical about what Leica can actually bring to this, but we'll find out in July. Uh what else? Nothing had yet another announcement. More drip teasing Ugh. of information. We got a few cool bits of info here. Did one we? confirming what everyone no. has kind of been <laughs> hoping, which is we're getting a transparent back on the mm. Nothing Phone One. Hey. Which is exciting and I think Everyone had wanted this, but there were some very real concerns about, is it practically possible to design a phone so that it looks interesting from a transparent back? Because we had that one, I think it was a Xiaomi, where there was a phone with yep. a transparent edition, yep. and it mm-hmm. turned out they'd just put an image of phone internals <laughs> on the back. Because it is very, very difficult to arrange the components so that they look interesting. Yeah. Because w- most of the back is just battery normally, and and it doesn't look great.
1: There, there was a special version of the HTC U eleven or twelve as well that you could get with a sort of semi-transparent back. We U12, twelve yeah. with a charging coil was that the twelve got it in
2: a got it in a
0: box. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> yeah. looked at that the other day actually. Didn't it's a, it's get a great any looking phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> And, and speaking of charging calls, they did also confirm wireless charging will be in there yeah. as part of one of those things that looks cool. So they wanted to make sure they could they could fit the
2: wireless charging in because it will look good. What is your favourite ever transparent tech? Because I would put in a vote for Game Boy Color. Ooh. It's gotta oh. be
0: the Game Boy Color. For me, I'm definitely in the Nintendo space. I go straight to Game Boy or the I never owned one but the transparent n 64 That was gonna be one of my cool. votes. Yeah. Oh that's transparent N sixty
1: four. I did like the Pebble. One of the Pebbles was transparent, Ooh. but I think it was one that you couldn't buy but then the, the guy who made the Pebble watches he wore it and it looked super awesome but everyone wanted him to make it and he never released it so
2: yeah i've recently been watch. slipping down a very dangerous uh ipod modding hole on youtube um because my ipod mini is broken and i've suddenly found this like corner of the internet <laughs> where people like make transparent ipods and put uh-huh. like ssds in them and stuff so nice um i'll probably break that at some point but uh, no a transparent uh transparent phone sounds cool what, what is that all they announced though
0: that is well the only other detail was that the frame will be made of recycled aluminium
2: yeah Um,
1: there's there was some they did an interview with wallpaper where they also threw up some conceptual images or developmental images like sketchbook stuff and there were like some consistencies that i kind of picked up on that they didn't explicitly talk about but like it does look like it's going to be a dual camera on the back if these designs hold water when it comes to the final product and one page had some numbers on it that you could read into it based on how they were framed in the scanned image, could be 90 hertz and 64 gigabytes. they'd like oddly specific numbers to kind of conveniently half chop off at
2: the edge of the mm. page in this new <laughs> teaser image. So, yeah, there's so those. that still sounds like mid range price territory. Yeah, yeah. Well, and
0: that was, we also had a leak this week about the phone, which is that from a German site, which is that it will launch apparently on 21st July. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that's been officially said is summer, but. That is in the summer, so it lines up so far. Uh, And it will cost around €500, which is bang on mid-range. And yeah, 90 hertz, 64 gig would make sense for that. I think that's where I would expect them to be, this kind of mid-range specs but throw in wireless charging so they've got this one little unique, uh, you know, you normally have to buy a flagship to get this feature. It's just
3: the OnePlus all over again. It's the OnePlus story part, like take two.
0: It's no surprise to see Colt taking what worked there and and reapplying
3: it.
1: But it yeah. isn't sustainable, as we've seen with OnePlus. So it would be curious to see
0: how the brand evolves after the phone one.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, what else have we got this week? Uh, back to Xiaomi, actually. I could have lined these up better. Um <laughs> Xiaomi announced the Redmi Note 11T Pro and Note 11T Pro Plus in China. These are another two budget offerings. I've given up on trying to figure out which Redmi Note whatever's come in what <laughs> order and which ones get international launches. There are so many of them. This is a pair of phones. They're both pretty affordable. The LCD, the 144Hz LCD, so they're definitely courting that gamer market. Uh, Dimensity 8100, so pretty powerful chipsets too. And 64 megapixel rear cameras. The big difference between the two is charging, 67 watts on the regular model and 120 watts on the Pro. But you get a smaller battery on the Pro, so it's that same kind of trade-off we've seen elsewhere with charging speeds and battery sizes. Um, yeah, these are these look fine. I <laughs> imagine they will launch internationally because Xiaomi just throws phones out wherever it can, yeah. but who knows when or where.
1: As an adjacent thing as well, Band 7 also was announced in China.
0: That's exactly what oh. I was going to say next, Toddy. Thank oh. you for spoiling the <laughs> so carefully built up surprise. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the Mi Band 7, the latest little wearable, uh, which wow. big changes. I told you you're better than me, but basically always on display, bigger screen. And they say tracking's improved, but it's not actually got new tracking. They just say it's better yeah, than it was. It's better. There's a
1: new chip <laughs> inside, which means that the animations of the 100 plus watch faces will be nicer. And yeah, they said blood oxygen tracking was more accurate.
0: I mean, the, the the Mi Band's have always been really, really, really good and the yeah. Mi Band with an always-on display
2: sounds pretty great. That's okay. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah, for the, the price, they're like 40 quid or something, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is the most
1: expensive but we're still expecting global pricing to be under 50
2: pounds, euros, dollars. So, so good. And they got built-in GPS yeah. as well, at least the one I had did. This pretty one short. does not. I used to buy my mum one every Christmas because it'd always be a new <laughs> sure. one every year so and it's just like a really cheap
3: like yeah, present. Yeah. She loved them. Like, she swore by them for years. I'll have to get this one now.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Charmaine. Thanks, Charmaine. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's turn to our first proper topic of the day the raft of new chips from both Qualcomm and MediaTek. So, Qualcomm went first. They held their own special little event called Snapdragon Night, which I wow. believe is a first for them. I don't think we've had a Snapdragon Night before, uh, but that was last Friday. Had a
3: Moon Night. <laughs> yeah. Angra <Anchor laughs>
0: Nights. Pretty good tune. <laughs> So Qualcomm had two chips for us, the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, as opposed to the 8 Gen 1 Plus, which everyone thought it would be called. So they're keeping us on our toes. Curveball. This is, as you might expect, the fancier, more powerful version of the 8 Gen 1 flagship. It basically is a bit faster and a bit more power efficient and will probably mostly appear in gaming phones. Though they've had quite a few big brands announce announce that they're on board. They also announced the Snapdragon 7 Gen 1, which is their first non-flagship since their rebrand. And yeah, it is not really surprising that they went for 7 Gen 1 as the name. Uh, but yeah, this is the new kind of upper mid-range chip, I guess, uh, from from them. And also offers offers a fair amount. Um, it's 5G, as you would expect. Uh, it's 4 nanometer, just like the 8 Gen 1 series is, and actually uses the same... CPU structure. It just has slightly different clock speeds. Uh, It's capable of driving 144 Hertz refresh rates, Um, though not at QHD+, it changed with the resolution. 4K HDR video at 30 frames per second can support 200 megapixel camera capture, uh, which we're still actually waiting for the first phone with 200 megapixel, but it is coming soon. Uh, So yeah, this looks this looks solid. I think the mid-range ships are always a bit less exciting seeming because they're never going to do anything first. But this looks pretty compelling for for the price point they're trying to hit.
1: I'm not as clued in on on MediaTek's lineup, but this sounds like a, one of the first mid mid-rangers with a four nanometer process, which is pretty cool.
0: I believe it is the first mid yeah, mid-ranger right. so with a four nanometer yeah, so process. Yeah, catching up to do then. That's cool. Really cool. Um, MediaTek. I may be incorrect here, but I don't think they've gotten to four nanometer yet. I thought even the nine thousand was five nanometer, yeah. but I Athetic. I might be wrong. There, <laughs> rubbish. Um, that's cool yeah so so as as, you know as a comparison point there the main media tech announcement which came as part of computex um the big computing trade show in taiwan right now uh they announced a few chips but the main one is the dimensity 1050 which is also in that upper mid-range space uh and that's a six nanometer chip so if you really care about the nanometer processing of your chipsets there's there's clearly a clear, clear edge for Qualcomm oh, here, <laughs> how much this really matters in performance is obviously a bit up in the air because there's a lot of other factors that go into this sort of thing. Um, I said at the beginning that the media tech is in a way more interesting, so I kind of want to come back to that. That is because the Dimensity 1050 is their first ever chip with millimeter wave 5G. Oh, nice. Um, so, so they've US had Sub6 yeah. before. And yeah, exactly. It just immediately means US market and they're very open about this. So even their flagship Dimensity 9000 doesn't support millimeter wave. And the thing is, if you're not up on 5G, you know, ins and outs of the industry, sub six is the standard used in most of the world. Millimeter wave is sits alongside sub six in the US, but there's been a lot more millimeter wave for a long time. And as a result for a lot of the carriers in the US, supporting millimeter wave is essentially a requirement for them to stock your 5G phone. If you don't have millimeter wave, they are not interested because it won't work on half their network. So it's held MediaTek back in that flagship space because you couldn't put the Dimensity 9000 into a flagship you hope to sell in the US because you'll just never get it in front of AT&T or Verizon. Um, This is them signaling, right, we're ready to make phones or provide the chip for phones that will go into the US market, but in the upper mid-range space. Mm. Rather than in the flagship space,
2: and that's only half the issue with millimeter wave support in the US, isn't it? Because sometimes the hardware has to be specifically built to support it. Like, don't iPhones at the moment all have that extra little window yep. on the right yep. edge of them? So over yeah. here, ours won't support them. And some, um, yeah, is it the pic- Is it Pixel it was more expensive because it had to support it? And some models only support it on certain um, carriers. Yeah, there are certain yeah. like min- millimeter wave like variants
1: in the US and so you can buy either the regular or the millimetre wave mm. in the US. It's really confusing.
3: Yes. <laughs> it's really 4G is. versus LTE, like what? no one yeah. knows the difference. No one's quite sure of the difference. You know they're different things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 5G standards suck and they're very confusing. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there are all these little headaches and it, it has to some extent ar- arisen just because the US is fundamentally the only market pushing millimetre wave in a big way, but it's a big enough market that manufacturers are obviously going to play ball because you're not not about to give up on, on the U.S. So the is, is
3: millimeter wave the end game for 5G everywhere else? Or is it just something that it, the U.S. is just insisting on?
0: No, it's uh, 5G stuff. Obviously, it always comes down to spectrum allocation and which bits of spectrum people can get. It's a different bit of the spectrum. It's high, higher frequency spectrum compared to sub six. Millimeter wave, the, the simplest way of looking at it is millimeter wave can be faster, but its penetration is worse. Yeah. Meaning yeah. it's far more likely to be blocked by a wall or e- even just blocked by your own head getting in the way of, <laughs> of a phone or whatever. So, you know, Millimeter Wave is great for big open spaces with no obstacles mm. or for inside very small spaces where you can also okay. control obstacles. It's used a um, lot for backhaul in
2: networking, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I and I think Millimeter Wave has been what they've been integrating to a lot of like stadiums, like sports stadiums. Because okay. again, you can get a tower up that's going to have a pretty good line of sight to every seat in the stadium, yeah. um, and it's good at that short range. Gives really high speeds, but for just generally throwing a load of towers up around a city, it's not going to work that well because it's not going to work for anyone inside.
2: It's a shame that what could potentially be quite a good differentiator is like the most unsexy thing to market to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least it's, you need direct line of sight. <laughs> at least it's true though, right? Because I remember my mate; he lives in America now, and he. Uh, he, like, text me a screenshot from his iPhone XR being like, look, I've got 5G. And it was 5G-E, which is yes, basically yes. at ts lie. That was very bad. Yes, yes. That. I reviewed Still a, doing it.
1: an American LG phone as well. <laughs> and it was like, I did not have a 5G, like, contract. As everyone knows, I don't have 5G. But it was definitely like, oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> just about got got 4G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barely. Barely there with 4G. Barely. And it was like, yeah, Trying assuring me I was on the, the next generation somehow, <laughs> magically. All eyes. Are you really sad that three is closing down their three G? Oh, you know picture? what? I was a little bit upset, but I was like, I'm not a three customer, so I'm okay.
2: I don't know about this. <laughs> Why don't you have 5G? Uh
1: so even like when 5G was announced, only then did I upgrade from a 3G contract. What? Yeah. So I'd been on <laughs> yeah. a 3G plan, but in central London, that's awesome because no one else is on that anymore. So I had like um, a clear spectrum. Had- it was so fast. Having now upgraded to 4G. <laughs> don't know what the fuss is about so what it's was, it a, was it a
2: price thing uh, yeah i couldn't get
1: unlimited data from my carrier
2: unlimited right yeah and that's what i yeah. always go
1: for and that then they added that plan in once they offered 5g their 4g pads then had an unlimited option so i just upgraded funny plans. that yeah hmm. weird cool <laughs> so yeah that was why but yeah it's it's been great so yeah <laughs> <laughs> 5g get out of here <laughs> who needs who it who needs it Everyone apparently, if the yeah, marketing tells yeah. you anything, <laughs> millimeter wave, please. Yeah, I remember when the first five G iPhone hit the US and all the the US media covering, like especially testing out millimeter wave and how effective it was. And it was fascinating just to watch how much the drop off can be with that. You know, with yeah. with anything being in the way, it's nuts.
0: How different the, the millimeter wave is. You can move a foot down the street, yeah, and so your precise. speeds just plummet. Yeah,
3: so we're again. back to the days where you actually have to hold your phone up to get the right signal. <laughs> yeah. Leaning out the window, <laughs> where is it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and long term, the answer is well, will have millimeter wave and sub-six everywhere. It's just most yeah. other countries ended up sub-six being built first because it's more widely applicable for various reasons I, don't, I won't pretend to fully understand. The US ended up with a lot more millimeter wave infrastructure very quickly and not that much sub-six. Uh, and Ale- as Alex Edwards has pointed out in the comments on YouTube, like verizon was even only had millimeter wave for a while they just didn't support sub six at all so that was what 5g was um so yeah i think you know it's qualcomm announcing a eight plus is just like yeah fine of course they do it every six months it's a bit faster than the last one but this dimensity 1050 is is interesting because it does signal this move towards kind of getting into more us phones And it means MediaTek can start presumably having deeper conversations with companies like Motorola, Mm. for whom presumably putting a phone out in the US is quite a big deal. Um, And now MediaTek can provide chips for those more affordable phones. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it pop up in some more mid-range Samsungs. There's certainly been a lot of speculation this week that Samsung is kind of freezing some of its Exynos production for a couple of years um, not not a long run killing Axonos but the, the pitch is more for two generations from now they want to have it perfect and so they might kind of stop building them every year to stop for two years and like perfect what they're going to do in the future um, so there's a lot of speculation that Qualcomm's <laughs> right, going yeah. So there's a lot of speculation <laughs> that Samsung's going to go all Snapdragon on its flagships next year and things like that but it also opens up that space for its mid-rangers to start uh, being a bit more available you know, it's Exynos chips in the A53 and everything at the moment, but there's no reason it has to stay that way. And if if they can get that millimeter wave in, get it into US carriers, suddenly Mediatek's an option where it just wasn't before.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And didn't you say the A53 was like trash as well?
0: Oh, yeah, that chip was <laughs> awful. The Exynos 1280, really, really poor. Real Um Yeah, really, really disappointing. So, you know, I wouldn't mind a Mediatek being in there. But... Yeah, MediaTek also announced a couple others, but they're not super exciting. There's the Dimensity 930, which is actually very similar to the 1050. It's just a little bit slower, and it doesn't have the millimeter wave. Uh, Stars 5G, just not the millimeter wave. Uh, And then the Helio G99, which is the successor to the Helio G96, and will pop up in all sorts of slightly sluggish budget phones (laughs) for the next 12 (laughs) months.
1: promise to be really good gaming phones, probably
0: yes oh absolutely yeah uh <laughs> it's they're, they're very they I can't, I can't have the stat in front of me but the one kind of spec they dropped was basically gaming focused um okay. <laughs> but it's a 4g chip and it will be cheap i'm sure so that will pop up a lot very very
2: affordable options technically all phones are gaming phones aren't they they're technically wrong are they <laughs> <laughs> i guess it depends <laughs> on the game right yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. candy crush yeah you're fine crush, yeah Also, just to to double check, (laughs) Dimensity, that's not actually a word, is it? Absolutely. So I've been staring at it for a while and I was like, wait a sec. Wait a second. I say it all the time. (laughs) As the kind of
1: resident person who always likes to complain about the product names, at least Snapdragon is a word in its own right. Mm. Like
2: Dimensity, less so. Mm.
0: Dimensity really sucks. So like Dimension.
2: What's the other word they've spliced? Dimension. Diversity? Dimension city? Yeah, that's what I thought. Dimension.
1: it's, yeah. it's best not to try and jump through the same hoops that they that's did not, to try yeah, and make it like, legitimate to themselves in their head. Like, yeah, this is, this is a good brand to push forward.
3: They're, they're watching the stream
2: taking notes like,
3: OK, we can justify this now. This is great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're for the brand name Media Tech Media Tech. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it says on the tin. That.
0: I wonder if we'll see them move away from that, though, in the same way that Qualcomm's moved away from Qualcomm for its Snapdragon. And mm. so it's now just trying to push Snapdragon and the Qualcomm
2: logo doesn't appear anymore what's so, qualcomm is that like quality communications what's, the, what's that stand for <laughs> so the you're doing very well at this thing. but yeah <laughs> probably
0: the, um, i'm sure in one of my many qualcomm briefings at some point someone has broken down what the qualified, name comes qualified
1: from, community yeah. well, i remember for a time qualcomm really pushed the snapdragon branding in the u.s kind of like intel did with pentium or yes. Intel Inside, by having mm. a little Snapdragon mascot that looked a bit like Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, wait, yeah, I heard like, of it. Well, this. Like a few years back now, if yeah, If yeah. MediaTek tries to do the same with Dimensity and popularize the Dimensity name, what is the mascot that's going to embody Dimensity? <laughs> Just like... <laughs> I, it, a Whenever I hear it, four-dimensional cube. Yeah. Or <laughs> the shadow. So I, could, I, I
3: imagine basically... Uh, Night City and Cyberpunk, okay. just really high tech. Diamond City, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> chilled sure. up. Yeah, I maybe mean,
2: like a diamond, like an actual diamond. They could call it Diamond City.
1: I mean, there's something <laughs> in here. Maybe a Minecraft partnership <laughs> in there. I don't know. Do you
2: think yeah. this will lead eventually the to the the ultimate collaboration that we've all been waiting for, which is Apple Bionic and Lego Bionic? Oh, Bionicle! <laughs> Bionicle was oh, that, that was yeah. that
1: was a great. I love those things.
2: Because if any if <laughs> any company needs a Lego tie-in. It's Apple. It's Apple, yeah, true. It <laughs> that a would be good, one, though. So.
1: If, if
0: Bionicle want to you know, move towards actual little like, you know, AI-powered little robot Bionicles, yeah. get, Take get from, some from, Apple chips in there, powering them. Sure. Take it from Anki and Cosmo. That never exactly. went bad in like Toy
1: Soldiers <laughs> or anything, if the yeah, no. movie. <laughs> Small Soldiers. <laughs>
0: Small Soldiers. What a film. I love that film. Great film. Incredible film. film. <laughs> we should probably talk about phones again, yeah, I suppose, sorry. rather uh, than rambling fine, about no. you know chipset branding. Uh, let's move on then. Let's talk about the Oppo Reno 8 series, uh, which has been launched this week in China. There are three phones, the Reno 8, the Reno 8 Pro, and the Reno 8 Pro Plus. They really worked hard on that naming structure. Um, they're kind of odd phones in the sense that they're very, very similar across the lineup, and... There's not an awful lot that pulls them apart. They've kept a lot of consistency between the three. The main thing is that the chipset does change between them. So the Reno8, the base one, is powered by the MediaTek Dimensity 1300, which is the same chip used in the OnePlus Nord 2T, and we will come back to that in a second. The 8 Pro upgrades to the brand-new Snapdragon 7 Gen 1. Yeah. And then the 8 Pro Plus swings back around to MediaTek, <laughs> using the Dimensity 8100 Max. Whoa! Which is crazy branding. If I'm remembering right, the chip used in the OnePlus Ace and 10R, <laughs> but it is the Max version which is used in those phones. But the non-Max version is used in the Realme GT Neo 3. Ah. Uh-huh. Who knows wow. what the Max involves. Uh, the other kind of... The, the displays change a little bit. They get bigger as you go up. Each of the three um, is, is slightly larger. The Pro is a bit larger than the regular. The Pro Plus is a little bit larger again. Um, there's also a jump from 90Hz on the regular model up to 120Hz on the other two. And one of the other big changes is that the two Pro models have the Mary Silicon X image processor.
1: I am genuinely impressed that they are committing to this in anything other than their absolute flagship. I just thought it was just going to disappear. The Mario yeah. like separate ISP yeah. thing. I just didn't think they were going to bother with it. But hey.
0: I think we're seeing so many phone manufacturers really want to push these kind of special chips, you know, like little independent, you know, we saw it for a while with Samsung and Google hyping up the security chips they yeah. packed in uh real has been talking about its special display driving chips that's kind of this ex- extra thing the mario silicon here i i feel like i guess they it must be a recognition that everyone's using the same processors and you know the same core chipsets and so if you want to emphasize like the power of what your thing does being able to brand it around we got this special chip that makes the camera even better than that other camera that has the same specs
2: do you think this actually works though cuz I was thinking about this and kind of Mary Silicon and all those sorts of things and I still come around to the feeling personally that the only company that can do this and everyone will just still be like yeah I'll just buy that anyway is iPhone. They can yeah. you have to watch yeah. the, the keynote keynote whatever and if it feels like all the Android manufacturers maybe it's slightly unfair but you know they they mirror kind of that path and who are they convincing? apart from enthusiasts like us or yep. people listening, you know, who, uh, my sister's not going to be like, oh, I'm switching to Android <laughs> or because Marry Silicon X. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> like,
1: yeah. the, um, I mean, Google's already shown time and again that it's, you know, only, the hardware can only work, like only push so far. And you can get a lot out of just software optimization and, and, you know, image calibration, color science, all that kind of stuff. And I always worry about just adding an extra component to the system and the additional power drain, if they even if they say it's super low power, it's still gonna draw extra power that mm. a phone that doesn't have to rely on that extra chip won't mm. do. So for me, that's actually sort of a negative. Unless like review results show that it is genuinely groundbreak breaking advantage.
0: Well, I mean the challenge there, of course, is you can't test it. it it's yeah. not like there's an option to turn off the marry silicon and see what <laughs> yeah. it was doing before and after. Funny that as well. You yeah, know, you, you just take the photos and you can say, Well, the photos are really good maybe so you know when i've reviewed i reviewed the oppo Find x5 pro i'm sure i mentioned the MariSilicon silicon x just to say it's there but i couldn't assess it yeah you know i've got no idea what it was doing for all i know it doesn't do anything it's just a you know not even plugged in. because it was all it <laughs> yeah. was
2: all the all the expertise Hasselblad had put into the phone DOM. That's oh, what no. that'll be it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Silly. I mean I guess I mean in
0: terms of consumers, I guess the only question really is I doubt it makes a difference to say online buyers, but I wonder with some of this stuff whether it works its way down into the spiel that people get in phone stores. You know, yeah. I'm sure that the brands will always push the talking points they want for specific models, and I wonder how much things like that will end up in those talking points that the uh, the person in the shop gives you as you're looking them up as well you may want to think about this one because the camera's so much better because it's got this special Mary silicon chip and none of the other phones in the store have that
1: i imagine that actually has a lot more anything true yeah a lot more value the lower for, like the further down the price points you go because mm-hmm. of how much sway yeah. that can have yeah because of like i i feel like few people are going to walk into a phone shop to buy a 1200 pound flagship without having researched it to some degree and know what they're buying already whereas yeah with mid-ranges that's less of a thing so yeah this this i could totally see why that would be like an extra. Oh okay that sounds cool and makes my photos better than it would otherwise be. I guess like in terms of like this... the marketing hook mm. for that, I get. Yeah. It's like adding a 2 megapixel macro lens yeah. to it.
3: yeah, it's it's really got a really camera. <laughs> Just to add
0: something exactly. to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one of the other interesting things about the Mary Silicon only being in the two pro models is the fact that those are also the only two phones that look like their new phones because the regular Oppo Reno 8 is a OnePlus Nord T with one key change, a downgrade Uh, because it doesn't have an ultra-wide camera. Instead, it has a macro and a depth sensor as the second and third lenses. But every other spec, as far as I could tell, is is the same. The chassis is a slightly different size. so They have used a slightly different uh, external bit and that's changed the weight and things like that. Mm. But every other spec is is essentially identical to the Nord 2T. Based yeah. on the,
1: the press renders, I would say that the, the Reno 8 range as a whole, but the even the base one looks maybe nicer than the Nord 2T from a design perspective, yes. personally. I think Absolutely. it looks
2: quite like the S21. Vibe. Yeah, I yeah. thought that, yeah, it's like yeah, the Nord
1: 2T and the S21 had a baby. That's what you get with the yeah. Reno 8 series, basically.
2: The <laughs>
0: funny thing as well is that it looks more like a OnePlus phone than the Nord 2T <laughs> does
2: because it has no the, ca- looks like the an camera module
0: thing. yeah the camera module on the renos and they all look very similar is clearly inspired by the same design as the oneplus 10 pro that square module um to the point that the first renders we got of the reno 8 you know that kind of cad designs had people had mistakenly assumed it was even closer to the 10 pro design i think because they'd seen this layout and and kind of we'd seen the first mock-ups had it looking just like the OnePlus 10 Pro and it's not quite so uncanny in the final result because the second lens and uh, sorry the third lens and the flash are actually smaller than the other two but even so there's a I don't know there's a heritage there you can clearly trace back to the design of the 10 Pro which the Nord 2T lacks for
2: for better or worse I saw this announcement and I just thought there are so many phones and why are there so many phones? Like I remember, the- <laughs> I went to a I went to a Reno two event, and I swear that was only like twenty nineteen. Yeah, I know, like, I, just, I know we don't. I know we don't get them all in this I just country. Just reviewed the
1: Reno four Pro. I swear, like the other day. <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the
0: Reno's are bad for
2: that only because they're on a six month cycle,
0: yeah. not a not an annual cycle. It's,
2: I swear, there's more than two a year.
1: Yeah, it's bolder <laughs> than though to, to do a numerical jump like that. Like that, yes. I think from a, from an end user from a potential buyer, that yeah, is it just instantly dates the other. Ones. Yeah, it's intimidating. I think if you want to get into that range.
2: Or what are yeah. they what are they driving there? Just like is it is it kind of because in Asia you're sort of tending to upgrade your phone phone more often historically, and is it driven by that?
0: I actually don't know if there's a difference in in international kind of release uh, sorry, upgrade cycles. I'm sure there is some variation. Um, I think there's just whenever I've spoken to people sort of at some of the manufacturers, the sense you always get is just it's about carriers want new stuff, and there's a there's a a, a rush to have a new phone in the store all the time and so if you've put out the newest phone you get retail space Mm. and so there's kind of encouragement to just keep churning out new models because then it's the new one um
1: yeah it definitely feels sort of having not been in the chinese market personally but like having covered it outside looking in it does feel very um dragon ball z if the reference makes any sense to anyone, it's like there's always like a more powerful level or more,
2: yes, and like yeah, that's right. what the
1: market demands. But yeah, whether that is customers demanding that or it's just carriers wanting to push that on on customers is is yeah, it'd be interesting to know who's the the driving force behind that decision.
2: Don't want to take it too far off. Humorism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but is um is this like is OnePlus the Trojan horse for EBK for America? Has it got in there with that. And now they're slowly being like, hey, LG's not in the market. Look at all these other phones that the same company has. Because we were talking about Dimensity, you know, having millimeter wave in America. Like, are we going to see Oppo phones mid-ranging in America soon? I know there's like none at the moment.
1: I'm surprised they haven't already made a move. I feel like the way they are pushing their marketing in in markets outside of China and and Eastern markets. I'm surprised Oppo hasn't already made a play for the US in a bigger way. It's probably tried, right?
0: I oh, yeah. wonder if it's because it's European play hasn't taken off Maybe. in the way it would like to. It's obviously gone big on advertising, certainly it's sponsored a load of major sports events, um, cricket and tennis. And, and I'm sure there are others and been like the big sponsor of lots of things. Right now, the French Open tennis, there's Oppo logos all over the courts. Hmm. Um, but you look at their market share in Europe and it hasn't. doesn't look like it's paid off. Um And I wonder if they're hesitant to go for the U.S. The U.S. is harder to crack than Europe, I think. So if they can't figure out how to get that big, you know, as Huawei kind of pulled out, it looks like Xiaomi grabbed a bigger slice of that than Oppo did. And I guess Oppo need to figure that out before they make the play for the U.S. What surprised me is not that we haven't seen Oppo phones in the U.S. yet. It's that we haven't seen more OnePlus phones in the U.S., that are functionally Oppo phones elsewhere and have been rebranded. Right. Because they've still only, in the past six months, the US has had the 10 Pro and the Nord N200. Yeah, that's like it. And I think those are the only two phones OnePlus has released in the US in the last six months or so. Yeah, and they just have the Nord
1: Buds too. Oh, yeah. And the Nord (laughs) Buds, yeah. Whereas
0: in Europe, say, they've probably put out eight phones in that time period and more than that in China. So that's my surprise is that they're not, pushing OnePlus in a bigger way in the U.S.
1: I guess like we we always talk about the fact that carriers are king in the U.S. market and you know it took OnePlus quite a while they were already yep. in the market but it took them ages to get a partnership I think it was T-Mobile Yeah. and then you even were getting like T-Mobile specific editions of OnePlus phones which yep. you know with different band support and stuff like that um, maybe that's why they've stalled and why they haven't mm-hmm. pushed any harder is that they really struggle with that carrier relationship there.
0: The carriers are fickle, from my understanding. And again, you know, to go back, that's exactly what Mediatek was saying in the briefing. Was about the density thing. It's it's about carriers. Some carriers are like, if you don't have millimeter wave, we will not stock you. So you just have to be able to provide that to meet whatever the carriers demand. I remember years ago talking to um, someone at LG back when they still made phones, and they were talking about. I was talking to them about their their relationships with with UK networks and and the fact that they struggled to get some phones around. And they kind of confided me at the time and I can't remember which handset it was that we were talking about, but they had something coming out soon that was essentially a carrier requested phone that they'd had kind of the UK networks basically say, these are the features we want to see in an LG phone. And so LG went and built that phone because that way they could get in with a carrier, whereas LG building the phone (laughs) LG wanted to build the network said, no, we
2: don't like that. We don't want it. That definitely happened with LG in the US as well, which actually worked because they were number three for so long. Even when they left the market, they were number three and it wasn't good enough. (laughs) I remember
1: (laughs) when they like talking about like Galaxy S4, maybe even earlier, like, you know, you'd get the Galaxy S4 that Samsung announced, but then when you looked at the carriers, it was the S4 Venture, the S4 whatever. (laughs) Each carrier had its own like additional brand name and different design. Like they were basically different shells with a few yeah. extra weird features. It's very odd, amazing how much sway they have over there.
0: Well, and that fascinating thing with OnePlus, uh, with the 10 Pro, where it was oh. only the Verizon edition, I want to say, or maybe it was T-Mobile, but uh, that had an IP68 rating. And the carrier <laughs> yeah. must have paid for the rating or paid for exclusivity on the rating or something even outside of the US there was no official IP rating yeah. on the Tempo yeah. in any other market and it was only the US carrier unique version that had an IP rating and, and OnePlus had to like confirm off the, you know to other like the publications asking They're like yeah well we- built the same like there's no there's no actual change in the manufacturing process for this version so read into that what you will but yeah
1: (laughs) people did speculate because there was a a press image on the 10 pro and it was an extra hole in the camera system they're like what's that is it a new mic like is there is a better noise cancellation it's just for the hall sensor which i think is a pressure sensor yes us requires you to have this hall sensor in your device and not all phones have that usually so they had to make a slight tweak just for that as well
0: very weird And I think, yeah, the US is difficult because you have to make all these tweaks, all these adjustments. We were saying, earlier, activating the millimeter wave, making tweaks to the hardware to support that, that you don't necessarily want to do on the global models because there's no millimeter wave elsewhere anyway. You put all that cost in and then maybe all the carriers say no. Maybe you get lucky and one of the carriers likes you and stocks it. But you're still, as you said, even if you're third in the market, you're still so far behind Apple and Samsung that you're not, you know, that's still a very challenging environment to make money in. For sure, yeah. So yeah, I mean, for 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 what it's worth, OnePlus is quite bullish that it's doing very very well with its cheap phones in the US at the moment, and has you know sold significantly more of those than it ever did of the flagships and things like that. So that will be the direction they push in and expand in 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 the US. I'm I'm pretty confident, but yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen a bit more. Yeah, so let's very quickly loop back to the actual Reno8s we began talking about 15 minutes ago. Uh, But yeah, so these two phones, I think the the question with the Reno series is always will they ever launch outside of China because it's so spotty. Um, I think it's pretty unlikely the regular Reno8 will make it to Europe given the Nord 2T is here and they are very similar and they tend to avoid releasing the same phones in the European market when they've got different brands. India and chunks of Asia I think may get it and, and probably the Pro and the Pro Plus as well. I wouldn't be surprised to get a big Asian launch. I then wouldn't be shocked going by their track record if sometime early next year the Oppo Find X6 series arrives and there's a Find X6 Neo with exactly the same spec sheet as a Reno 8 Pro Plus. Yes. for sure. Right. So that's probably the way that will go. You heard Hopefully. it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's turn to our final segment of the day, which is my review of a very fingerprint smudged Honor Magic 4 Pro. Wow, nice. Um, the flagship from Honor, uh, global launch, Google support. They actually haven't launched the regular Magic 4 globally. So this is sort of the main Magic 4 that's around worldwide. There is also a Lite. Um, there's also, an. I think it's an Ultra that's in China but that one that hasn't launched anywhere else. So for most of the world, this is the most powerful on a phone on the market. Um, and pitched as a real flagship flagship, it's 950 pounds in the UK and it's 1,100 euros. So it's a bit pricier than a pixel six pro. It's kind of around the galaxy S 22 plus or the iPhone 13 pro. Um, up below, say, a Pro Max or an S22 Ultra, it's still coming in cheaper than, it's actually also cheaper than the Xiaomi 12 Pro, which um, okay. is a fairly flattering comparison for it in terms of in terms of that. So yeah, they're not shying away from going into the heavy end of the market in terms of in terms of pricing. What's interesting, sort of the quick headline summary of this, is that from a hardware perspective. They've really gone all in there and delivered specs that will match anything at that price point pretty much and exceed in a lot of ways because the camera is really more the sort of camera you'd expect to find in an ultra phone you know and so you might for on the camera specs alone certainly in terms of the periscope you would probably think wow they've actually managed to undercut the competition a lot the camera hardware here is certainly more impressive on hardware level than the s22 plus which is almost exactly the same price and it's a closer comparison to the Ultra while being much cheaper than it. Um, and that's the same elsewhere, it's an H M 1, loads of RAM and, and storage, it's got wireless charging, it's got actually the fastest wireless charging in the world, um, but it's let down by some sort of rough edges. So one is, there's no IP rating, there's no Gorilla Glass, um, the software kind of has a few flaws, The charging, while very fast when you're on Honours official tech, (laughs) is very inconsistent (laughs) and unreliable when you use any other charger, which for me, at least, is a deal breaker in terms of using it as my daily driver. Um, And there's little oddities like, I don't know, the portrait mode is not very good. And, you know, the rest of the camera is so good and then the portrait mode just doesn't deliver
2: and you sort of think, so, well, how's, yeah. how's that gone wrong? I was looking at your review and obviously you have quite a few of these like little sort of niggles that that when we're reviewing or obviously we have to point out, but how good is that camera? Like is the main lens like up there with the, the phones that you were comparing it to?
0: I think it is... The main thing that's going to come from down to the camera is the night mode comparison and that's the only place it falls short, I think, other than the portrait, which is a fine bit of it iffy. Um... In bright light, it is exceptional Uh, in good lighting. This is a really, really, really good camera. Um, They've gone really high, uh, high resolution. So it's 50 meg main, 50 meg ultra wide and a 64 megapixel periscope. Uh, The way they've handled the periscope is basically it's only three and a half times, Mm -hmm. but it's high enough resolution that then they use the digital to sort of make up the difference. Uh, So the result on the periscope is basically three and a half times, it's perfect. Uh, up to 10 times which is the other default setting in the app really 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 impressive 10 times zoom um it goes up to 100 times but the 100 times feels a bit like the first gen ultra from <laughs> sure. Samsung you know it goes that far <laughs> if you really wanted to say I saw this dog and it was really far away let me get you a blurry photo of this dog I saw You does it but you're, you're not <laughs> right. going to put it on Instagram or, or do anything else with it it's it's too too soft and blurry to to do much good with um but i think that's fine because i think at the 10 times i don't think you'll find anything much better um low light is the only is the is the pain point there where i would say it's got good low light and night mode but not great low light and night mode it's certainly not a match for vivo at that level mm. it's probably on an apple level in terms of where they are in terms of the night mode right now um it's not a bad place to be it's not a bad place to be but you know <laughs> i'm really a kind of nitpick i've got it i've gone from this to the vivo x80 pro and you know the nightmare results are. there's a very clear jump there but that's really kind of at that nitpicking how flawless do you want your your low light pictures to be and these won't come out flawless but they'll still come out clear and see better than you do and, and that kind of thing
1: i was just intrigued before you published a review just in terms of as a statement from honor because this is the the first proper proper flagship we've seen since they went independent is that right the series of phones anyway so sounds like they really kind of have come in swinging which is kind of
0: cool i think that's exactly right i think that's i'm sure that must have been a conscious decision on their end that when they were going to do this if they were going to go and do a flagship they had to prove they are at that level and that they can compete and that they can hold their own with xiaomi and oppo and 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 google and everyone else and yeah you know they've really thrown everything at this phone and again for the price i think you will struggle to you know I, I'm, I'm comparing this camera to an s22 ultra camera and a vivo x80 pro camera and those phones cost several hundred more yeah if i was going to compare it to the phones at its price point it, it's still a bit of like an up and down but say like the for, for the zoom it is the best zoom you'll find at that price point mm. right i think maybe there are other phones at that price that might beat it on low light but if, if telephoto is your main thing it is the best sub 1000 pound phone I would
2: be fairly confident saying that. Yeah, they're definitely swinging. I went to the um, UK launch oh, yeah. of, of this phone, which they hired out a swanky, well, tiny corner of the very large, <laughs> of the very large, to be fair, Tate Modern. And it was just, a, it was like a celebration, really. I yep. mean, all the Honor people were just so chuffed and they weren't really trying to sell it they were just like oh we finally did it out <laughs> and they did like Amazing a big presentation uh, yeah. they, they had the guy the the oh, sorry i can't remember the bloke's name from one of the big wigs at 3 was there and he mm-hmm. stood up and did a speech about how important honor was to them which obviously as we've been referring to um earlier in this podcast with LG was obviously very important for them so they could I, be I important for honor i was impressed they got
0: 3 yeah i was impressed i figured this would be a Amazon only kind of phone and uh, for, for anyone yeah. outside of the UK for context three is one of the major networks in the
2: UK so it's it's a yeah. big gap it should help with them and also the other thing that I wanted to bring up was you didn't like how the camera looked and also I believe it's called the marketing around it they call it the eye of muse
0: yes eye of oh, muse wow. camera design eye of muse the big Dang. big old ring uh I don't love it I mean, it's always subjective, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a fan. I think it's
2: pretty uh, big and ugly. I, but... think, I think it looks alright. Yeah, it reminds me of the, yeah, the it's Porsche edition fine. P40 Pro? or P40? Yeah, See, It looks Pro like a Huawei phone. Yeah. I, yeah, I've,
0: I've yeah. got to admit, I've not enjoyed any of those round Huawei cameras either, so Fair, it's clearly right. just, I don't like these round camera modules. So, nor did you if like, you do, then fine.
2: And nor did you like the pill camera shape of the uh, selfie camera, is that right?
0: Yeah, I uh, it doesn't have any batteries, so I can't show, but there's a dual self it's not really a dual selfie camera it's a pill punch hole on the front where there's a camera and then a depth sensor um so it's
2: like 3d biometric
0: so it does 3d biometrics the face unlock is going to be better than most other androids oh that's cool which is good the downside is for i'm sure there's good reason for it but the two lenses are quite far apart and so it's quite a long pill shaped cutout, and takes up a good chunk of your notification bar for me at least
2: so, uh, like a tiny little it, sausage.
0: Yeah, it bothers me a little bit. I think if I, if you gave me the choice, because I'm normally a fingerprint unlock anyway, I would probably prefer to have just the single camera, and get that bit of screen space back. It's not the end of the world, but is it an indis- can tell I you thought. confidently
1: right now. Oh, go on. Top. I was just—is it an in-display fingerprint sensor? That's yes. Possible. Yeah. Right.
3: Sorry, Lewis. That's what I was just going to say. I can tell you right now that you're already going to hate the iPhone 14
0: Pro when that comes out. Oh, I do not <laughs> like those <laughs> renders. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. So then, the the kind of the closest this phone has to a USP in the sense of a feature that no one else does is that the is the charging. So it has a hundred watt wired charging, but it also has a hundred watt wireless, which is, I believe, still the fastest wireless charging in any phone on the market. Um, the problem is there are some caveats to this. <laughs> as always, <with laughs> is it as is it actually as fast when you do it wirelessly? It's so. Yeah. One is. wattage isn't everything there's also efficiency questions so it's the wireless is still not as fast as the wired um (laughs) in half an hour i got 81 percent of charge back on the wireless so it's still very fast whereas it took less than half an hour to get a full charge using the wire so that's one of the caveats is We've seen this all the time in this stuff, like just saying two, two charges at the same wattage won't necessarily deliver the same speeds. And especially once you throw wireless in, where it is physically impossible to make it as, as efficient as a wired put version. There's just no way around mm-hmm. that. Um, the other caveats are more annoying, though. There's always that thing with wireless charging where they say, oh, it's got amazing 90 watt wireless charging asterisks if you buy our official branded wireless charger. That is, of course, the case here. So you've got to drop, I think it's around 80 pounds, 80 euros, it's something like that. I just looked, 85 to buy pounds. 85, i yeah so. so you've got to drop that to buy their wireless charging stand. Um, but again, that's always the headache with these things. That's just the way it is. If you're going to get suckered in by the super fast wireless charging promise, you're only going to get it if you drop more money on that.
2: Is the uh, wired charger in the box? That was my y- next question. Yes. And here's that's all right then. Caveat <laughs> okay.
0: number two or three, depending on how we count them. The wired charger for 100 watt wired charging comes in the box with the phone. If you use your 100 watt wired charger with your 100 watt wireless charger, you will get I believe it is 80 watt wireless charging. To get the full speed of the wireless charger, you also have to buy their 135 watt Oh power wow. The phone. That oh, is wow. another <laughs> 70 pounds or so.
1: And question: Does the f- the phone doesn't support one hundred and thirty five watt wired charging? No, so it's not like an upgrade. No, like it won't help. Like like it's it forty five <laughs> watt versus twenty watt. So, so wow. it,
0: this is the big dent to the the fact that I look at the phone and say it's pretty good value. Is that it is yeah. as long as you don't care about that hundred watt wireless charging. Because unless you sort of get it in the pre-order period where they're throwing in bits as bonuses and stuff like that, and it goes on sale officially tomorrow, so you, you've still got time to do that if you want. Um, oh, I'm heading on there now. <laughs> but yeah, you're basically dropping another 150 quid, 200 euros yeah, if you want to get the full wireless, wireless charger. charger. And it's at that point, it me. is an S22 Ultra price. And at that point, yeah. I'm less happy recommending it. So if I the wireless like charger is the thing swinging it for you, I'd very, actually say no, don't no. get <laughs> Own. But is the is
2: the wireless charging ever swinging it for anybody? I don't know who it would be no. for.
0: You know, um, I can't I see care. it being the biggest thing. It, you know, and obviously it supports. So, again, in theory, it supports other wireless chargers. You can build on other Qi chargers. Right. This is the other problem I have with the charging on this phone: is it has been inconsistent for me with other chargers. This is probably a software issue, and will probably get patched. But as always with these things, I don't know that, and it may never be. What I can say is that on the chargers I have dotted around my flat, Uh, on some of the wireless chargers it works, on one of them it doesn't work at all, on the wired chargers, on some of them it works perfectly, on some of them it does that annoying thing where every five seconds it Mm -hmm. stops charging, then starts again, so it buzzes each time it does it, um, which is absolutely infuriating. And yeah, it just seems to have some problem with third-party chargers that I don't really understand, and I've not seen it I've never had a phone this consistently unhappy with third-party charges.
1: <laughs> this consistently inconsistent. <laughs> yes, charging. exactly. Oh, another thing to touch on, I guess, because in its own right, it's sort of an unknown quantity now outside of Huawei's control. Um, for a high-end flagship like this, have they given an insight into update roadmap for OS and security? <laughs>
0: yeah and it's not the worst but definitely not the best okay. it is is it three and four it, no it's worse than that oh. uh it's two version updates mm. which is bad but honestly still there's plenty of other flagships in the space yeah. that only only do that as well <laughs> the bigger headache here is it's also two security Ooh. updates oh wow uh, everyone else has the extra year of security but yeah, that's not promising yeah
1: i think when you're getting into that price point that price range yeah. flagship territory yeah because you know Motorola was making it selling a phone for like what 200 pounds dollars less and they got flack for yeah. you know and they they immediately walked that back yeah. when you yeah when you're you're skimming a thousand pounds dollars euros that seems not okay
0: yeah again it's the kind of thing i imagine honor is just trying to be cautious about over committing and i yeah. wouldn't be shocked if a year from now they announced that they're extending the software support on this phone or something. But equally, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't do that. So, you know, you should buy it. If you you buy it, you have to know you're happy with that two years and that anything else will be a bonus. So it's a phone that I think is really, really good, but with these specific caveats, which is, if you think you want to keep it for several years, you know, if you're someone who's on like always on a two-year upgrade cycle, great, that won't be an issue for you. If you're the kind of person who thinks, no, I prefer to keep a phone for three or four years, you should probably look elsewhere if the hundred watt wireless charging is for whatever reason, the thing that's really swung it for you, you should probably look elsewhere. Um, (laughs) And if, well if you're like me and you think it looks really ugly then you should probably look elsewhere. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, the other thing that, that people should be talking about yeah
2: the other thing that companies at least should be talking about maybe we should be as well is that we always talk about the software um up up upgrade uh, cycle of being like oh if you want to keep it for 4 years or you want to keep it for 5 years we should also be thinking about like maybe you do only want to keep it for 2 years but you don't want it to have like trash resale value when you come to sell yes, it. It's yeah. a good point because like if people buy are an doing iPhone. yeah exactly yeah yes the problem that
0: is the answer is only buy an iPhone <laughs> at yeah, that point. Maybe yeah.
2: They should be thinking about it. it. I know companies want you you to be (laughs) (laughs) buying their new thing all the time, which is obviously what the whole industry is built on. I think
0: this is part of why Samsung do a very generous trade-in offer if you give them an old Samsung phone Mm -hmm. when you're buying a new one. So it's, say, if you buy a Samsung now, two years from now its resale value on the market might be poor, but its resale value to Samsung as you buy Mm -hmm. the new flagship will be better than that so yeah. they kind of as long as you're willing to commit to samsung they retain their value but not in the market at large
1: they also did a thing a couple of years back i can't remember what they called it now and it's they've not really shattered about it since but they were like we can issue an update to turn like your old galaxy s9 into like a motion sensor for your house that's connected yes, to your white smart home bits yeah which i thought was a really smart play just at least for, from a messaging standpoint even if it's not something they're gonna like maintain yeah. Like that concept, more companies need to be doing that, I think. And, yeah, yeah. The, the, the challenge I was thinking, I mean, three is a great get for them as a UK partner for the launch in, in the region. When you're asking people again to spend flagship money on a flagship phone like this, they either have to make sure that people know that they're not affiliated with Huawei anymore, because that is now a tainted mm-hmm. brand for a lot of people. Or they just need to raise awareness for the Honor brand because I still feel like even now, despite them being in the market for so many years, the average consumer who might be looking at high-end phone won't know Honor. They just yeah. won't. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, they definitely don't have the brand awareness and they'll have taken a hit there. I mean, I'm sure they'll be taking solace from how quickly they've bounced back in China. Yeah, it's impressive. And I don't yeah. think anyone saw that coming and I'm not definitely don't think they're going to achieve the same, same bounce here uh, or in Europe at large, but Clearly, there is a bit, either a bit more brand awareness than people reckon or people are certainly in the budget end don't care as much. So it's kind of fine to not have the brand awareness. Obviously, that hurts a bit more in the flagship space. And I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how widely this will sell because of that. I think when you're, again, if you're dropping a grand, you really want to know the company you're buying it from.
1: I mean, yeah, I wonder how much their China success is propping up their global, I guess, strategy.
0: I'm sure it is because in China they're now the third or fourth biggest. They're doing really well. Manufacturer really in the quickly, market yeah. after only a year or something. So that level of sales, presumably, is generating enough revenue to support losing money elsewhere as they <laughs> yeah. as they they kind of fight to regain what they had. And you know it's worth remembering they were very big in Europe uh, two years ago. You know before yeah. all the Huawei stuff. Not necessarily at the flagship end, but in terms of their budget and mid ranges they were i think they were top five in europe Mm -hmm. um across the market so they did get to a very big space it's just whether they can get back there because now it's a market with a lot more xiaomi and oppo presence than there was then Yeah, absolutely but yeah i am i'm a fan of the honor magic 4 pro i think the fact that there's all these caveats can make it feel like i'm not a fan but i really am Mm -hmm. i've enjoyed my time with the phone more than i thought i would to be honest and I thought the camera was a lot better than I thought it would be because I was very hesitant going into that. And I figured that for me was part of the big test is post Huawei, do they still have the chops to do a really high end camera? Because I'd reviewed a couple of the mid ranges and the cameras were not that impressive. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this was going to be great on paper, rubbish in practice, but it really does deliver on the camera. It's not the best camera in the market by any means, but it is very, very solid. I can't imagine anyone being really disappointed by the camera setup here, um, especially at the price point where I think it matches and beats most of the other ones at its price it's just all these little annoyances elsewhere that i think mean you've got to know what the flaws are and for the po- for the people who are okay with those flaws this is going to be a really really great phone but i think some of those flaws will be absolute deal breakers for other people cool cool well that'll do us for this week i guess Um, I normally would say at this point we will be back, same time, same place next week but that would be an (laughs) awful lie we will not be here next week uh, because here in miserable grey little England next week is the Jubilee weekend and we all have next Thursday off work to celebrate the Queen still being alive supposedly (laughs) Um, we will be back the week after that though so yes, you all have one blessed week free of us in your eardrums but two weeks from now we will return by which point WWDC will have happened. So <laughs> we will have the chance to work through all of our collective trauma of an evening of covering Apple events live and talk about whatever has been announced in the two weeks intervening. Until then, thank you and goodbye.
2: you. Right